0: Good morning, and welcome to this special Christmas episode of 30 Minutes to Presents Club. My name is Armand Froak, aka Santa Claus, today, and I'm here with Mr. Kringle, Nick Sigelski. How are we doing today?
1: I'm doing all right, Armand. I'm in a jolly mood, and the listener should be in a jolly mood because. We've got some presents today, don't we? Exactly, it is the
0: 12 days of tactics broken down into three sections, four tactics a pop. We have four prospecting tactics, four discovery tactics, and four negotiation and sales prospecting tactics, or sales process tactics rather. But Nick, in between each section, what's gonna happen?
1: we will be giving some gifts to the audience. And these gifts are of a very special nature. Now, here's the deal. Armand and I are a little bit too poor or maybe cheap to give away 12 gifts. So we only have three today, but still three gifts from us. That's more gifts than anyone's ever received from you or me in a single day. Now, there's a reason that we structured this episode this way with some gifts. And that is because for the past year and a half, since we launched 30 Minutes to President's Club, folks have been asking us like, hey, is there more that you're going to do? Is there more out there? And we've actually turned down every single opportunity to do more with 30 Minutes to President's Club. And the reason for that is we've never wanted to sacrifice the quality of what we ask you to listen. We want to be very, very value-dense for our audience in the name of volume. So we won't do more just for the sake of doing more. But folks are like, are you ever going to be on American Idol? Or are you ever going to have a YouTube channel? Or where's your TikToks? Or can't I ask you questions live? Will you train my team? And... We've got some things to share with you all today. But we would never just give in the name of giving. We also want to give you some tactics. So, Armand, do you want to roll into some prospecting tactics?
0: All right. On the first day of Christmas, you get a tactic from me. It's the Heard the Name Tossed Around Opener. Number one, a la me. All right. So when you're opening your cold calls, here's the deal. Most people ask, how's your day going? Or did I catch you at a bad time? And guess what? When you ask a million people how their day is going, they know, and they know you're a telemarketer, and the immediate response on the other line will be, fine, how can I help you? And guess what, for the other one, it's always a bad time. There was never in the history of mankind a good time for a cold call, all right? So instead, what you're gonna do with the heard the name tossed around opener is you're actually going to get them to think, hey, I'm not a rando, I know your business and I'm in your space up front. And then you're going to introduce yourself afterwards, unlike the upfront introductions of the traditional telemarketers. So it sounds like this. I'm going to take a piece of context that I know about Nick, and I'm going to put that up front. And so I'm going to say, Nick, we work with a couple other reindeer shops over in the, the North Pole here. It's Armand at PAVE. Have you heard her name tossed around? And that does a couple things. Number one is when I say we work with a couple other reindeer shops in the North Pole, He immediately sits up because he knows there are only two or three other reindeer shops in the North Pole. And then number two, I get him to sit up and I just ask, have you heard my name tossed around? And the reason I ask that at the end is I'm being assumptive and my tone is like, yeah, you probably should have heard our name tossed around at that point. If he says, oh yeah, I've heard your name tossed around, I have no need to pitch. All I'm going to say is great. Uh, Normally, we'd we'd be working with you by now, so I guess we must have screwed something up. What'd you hear? If he says no, we're going to roll right into Nick's opener. And that brings us to the second
1: day of Christmas. Nick, what do we have in terms of your first tactic? We've got another cold call opener, which is my personal favorite, called the permission-based opener. When you cold call somebody out of the blue, their mind immediately wants to know a couple things. Who is this person? Where are they calling from? Do I know this organization? Why are they calling me? What's this about? And how long is this thing going to take? Because I've got some presents that I need to wrap. Well, I address all of those things up front with my permission based opener. So if I'm cold calling Armand, what's going to come out of my mouth when he picks up the phone and says hello is Armand, this is Chris Kringle with Chris's Present Wrapping Factory. I know you didn't expect me to call you this afternoon. Do you mind if I take one minute to tell you why I'm calling, and then you can tell me whether or not it makes sense for us to speak? There's a couple things I'm doing in there. I'm immediately saying the name and the company. I'm not trying to hide this. I'm a business professional. This is a B2B sales call. I'm acknowledging that this is a B2B sales call. I know you didn't expect me to call you this afternoon. And then I'm giving the other person a choice. Too many salespeople try to box the customer in to like, being on a call, and I want to let Armand know, like, if you don't want to do this call, you have the option to say no. Do you mind if I take one minute, I'll tell you why I called, and then you can tell me whether, and this part's important, or not it makes sense for us to speak. Boom. I use it every time. So, Armand, I think we've got another gift here. Number three. All right. On the third
0: day of Christmas, no more tactics from Nick and me. We have a crispy tactic from the one and only Josh Braun. What happens after your cold call opener, you have to describe what the heck you do. And most people say we're the leading provider of lead management software, or we are the real time single source of truth, single pane of glass, blah, blah, blah. It's a bunch of marketing nonsense. And it's a bunch of features. Instead, when you describe your problems, people should think, oh, shoot, like this person actually gets my business. And you have to be dangerously specific or crispy in Josh Brown's words when describing your problems. And so a not example would be if we are selling a podcast editing software would be something like podcast editing takes a lot of time. What would be a crispy version of that would be what podcast hosts hate are things like editing ums and ahs, or when your guest sneezes, trying to get that out of the track so that when you post your videogram, you don't have a sneeze in the middle of your videogram. That is a crispy problem. And then in one sentence, all you have to do is say how you solve that problem. All right. Crispy is done. Nick, what's tactic
1: number four? So Armand, there's times that we will cold call customers and shocker, they don't pick up the phone. And so we've got to send them an email. And most of us know that if I'm sending a sales email, I should probably do a tiny bit of research and do a little bit of tailoring so it's not just some generic marketing spam. And so one of the things that we learned from Kyle Coleman was you've got to master the art of the segue. And the segue is the transition between the research and tailoring that you've put into your email and the problem or value proposition that you solve. And so if I'm emailing Armand and I've done some research, I heard him say on a podcast that he loves eating Christmas cookies until his stomach is so full, I might say something like, Hey Armand, I listened to your podcast and I heard you talk about how you love devouring Christmas cookies until you're bloated. Well... My guess is you might not be bloated with leads in 2022, and there's a way I might be able to help. Would you be open to learning more? I've segued, I've connected those two things, and now it's a much more natural transition and ask. We've hit a lot on prospecting, Armand, but there's a lot more to the art of selling, and so I think it's time to move to the discovery tactics, right? No! Ho, ho,
0: ho! Nick, you've forgotten. It is gift time. So gift one of 30 Minutes to President's Club 3 is as follows. Is it free leads? No. Is it free cookies? No. Is it TikTok? No. Here's what it is. 30 Minutes to President's Club live, a.k.a. What most shows, influencers, B2B brands do is they send y'all an invite for a thing called a webinar. And no one loves webinars because they are usually 60 minutes long. They spend 10 minutes on introductions. They sell you sponsors for 15 minutes and just logo drop. And by the time they're done with the NASCAR logo slide, they just Talk in circles for forty minutes, and then they say bye. Here are a couple questions. That was a good time. And so thirty minutes to Presidents Club Live are going to be live sessions. Nick, myself, a guest, an amazing guest. Maybe we'll do some whiteboarding. But here's the deal. As always, no thirty minutes to Presidents Club Live show will. Ever be more than 30 minutes long. It's gonna start with rapid fire introductions. It's gonna start with what's called the gauntlet, your top three takeaways up front, just like this podcast. It will end with the recap email, and then in the middle, we'll deep dive on one tactical topic. You'll be in, out, 30 minutes, and have
1: more than you'll ever get in 17 webinars elsewhere. Armand, I'm always impressed with your generosity. When it comes to gift giving, and I am so excited for these 30 MPC Live sessions, part of the reason that they're going to be really valuable for the listeners is you're going to have the opportunity to ask questions in the chat of me and Armand and the guests live. So if you've ever listened to this show and thought, oh my gosh, I wish I could just pick Kyle Coleman's brain for 30 minutes, come to those live sessions because you will be given the opportunity to ask questions. So. Let's get into discovery, Armand, before we get to our next gift for the audience. And this next one is something that I learned from Sarah Brazier, and I actually lean on really, really heavily. It's the idea of voicing over your biggest concern in the beginning of a call. And the way that Sarah does this is for those of you who have not heard of Gong or seen Gong, I don't know, go back and listen to some other episodes. They're a sponsor of this show. But there's like 87 different use cases and things that Gong can solve for. But sometimes Sarah will go into a meeting with a prospective customer, And they think it only does one or two things. And so what she voices over is she says, hey, my biggest concern coming into a meeting like this is sometimes our marketing team does a really, really good job pushing our revenue intelligence and call recording side of the software. But there's like 82 other things that we're actually able to help with. So before we get into like that area, it might be helpful just to understand what your business priorities as a sales leader is, because if there's things that we can help with that our marketing team hasn't done a great job explaining. I don't want to miss those because we're focused on one very specific thing. So it's a really powerful tool when you're trying to do what's called blue ocean selling. When the customer thinks that you only do X, but you actually do X, Y, and Z. Now,
0: speaking of blue ocean selling, imagine if I was boating around on the blue ocean and all I was focused on was counting the number of bubbles that came out of the waves of my boat. This is the problem that Keenan, tactic number six, has jammed into our heads is... Everyone gets stuck on the number of bubbles, the number of spreadsheets, the number of clicks it takes to do a process or a workflow. People ask too many what and how questions and they get caught in the weeds of process. The... Only thing that matters is the gap between where you are today and where you want to be tomorrow. And the way your discovery should flow is instead of starting with the situations or the processes or the clicks, you should go right to the problems and understand why they took the call and then understand how those problems impact the business more broadly and then afterwards, go to the root cause. And the root cause is usually the problem or the technicality behind why that big business problem is happening in the first place. But most people start with that. And that is when you get people saying things like, why are you asking me all these questions? Or, all right, I answered enough of your situational questions. Can I just do the software now? All right. So start gap selling. That's number six. Number seven, I feel a little bit awkward asking you this, but Nick, could
1: you take this one on? This is one of my absolute favorite ones. It's the humbling disclaimer. And a lot of new salespeople have this image of what a great salesperson is in their head. It's somebody who always asks these super direct, super uber confident bravado-esque questions that, that hits the customer right in the stomach and gets them to spill their guts. Well, actually that's not what a great salesperson does all the time. Sometimes the best salespeople are very, very thoughtful and like you don't always have to pretend to play this extremely confident character. And actually when you are not uber confident in punching the customer in the stomach, they'll open up more. And this is where we use the humbling disclaimer. So if you ever feel awkward or anxious or unsure when you're asking a customer a question that might be a very difficult question, you can voice over that you're a little bit uncomfortable asking that question. And so you might say something like, Armand, I feel a little bit awkward asking you this because I've been taught it's rude sometimes to ask people directly about money, but I guess I'm curious how you guys think about budgeting for a process like this. And that's a much better question than just punching Armand with how do you think about budgeting for this? You can soften tough questions by voicing over some of the anxiousness that you're feeling in your brain.
0: So I'm getting a little bit antsy here because we're getting close to our next gift. This is the last discovery tactic, tactic number eight. And it's all about competitors from the one and only Anthony Anarino, the author of Eat Their Lunch. And here's what you got to do is back to the Keenan point. Most people, when they run into a competitor, they say, oh, we can do this in five clicks while they have to do it in eight clicks, or while they have a blueberry muffin, we have a chocolate chip muffin. But what you need to do is you need to differentiate on the model. Features don't win competitive battles. Different business models win competitive battles. If you're selling uniform printing services, they're going to come out the same, but the model... Is different. And so instead of focusing on the blueberry versus the chocolate chip, you should be talking about the fact that you're selling croissants and they're selling muffins. All right. And so what you need to do is upfront in the sales cycle, you need to educate your buyers on these are the three or four things that matter in this space before you start looking. And then once they bring up competitors, you go back to those three or four things that matter in this space. And you'd be like, Hey, Their model cares about these two things that you told me you don't care about. Our model cares about these three things that are completely different, and that's why we're 3x the cost. It's not about whether or not you want us versus them. It's about which business model do you want, all right? That's the end of discovery. And now, ho ho ho, gift number two. We have the hall of fame of 30 MPC. And so everybody loves every 10 episodes We send you a playbook where it's only Nick and I going through our top tactics on any topic. Maybe it's cold calling, maybe it's cold emailing. And you know what really sucks is when we get messages on LinkedIn of people asking us, have you ever done a cold calling playbook or have you ever done a cold calling only episode? And the answer is like, yeah, that was playbook number two, and that was the best playbook we ever recorded, and one of the most successful ones. Do you not go back? But I don't blame you guys, because we're 80-plus episodes deep. Who's going to scroll back to episode number 20? So every 10 episodes on the five, so episode 85, 95, 105, 115, we are going to be publishing a Hall of Fame episode. We are going to be sending the top, most listened to, most touted episodes and we will refresh those for you all as a blast from the past because while the game of selling has changed it hasn't changed that much folks and the best episodes back in the day are still relevant today all right so every 10 episodes you got your hall of fame and nick let's round out the hall of fame of tactics with tactic number nine going into the category of negotiation and sales process
1: popcorn well you're talking about Hall of Fame episodes. Bilal has been one of our best guests ever on the show. And his very first appearance on the podcast illuminated to me why I always feel a little bit queasy after going to the movies. And Bilal talked about popcorn and popcorn pricing specifically. If you think about the last time that you went to your friendly neighborhood, AMC, you may have gotten some popcorn. And if you think about the way popcorn is priced, they've got your small, your medium, and your large. Your small popcorn normally is like three kernels. It's enough for an infant, and it costs $7.50. It's like ridiculously overpriced. No one would ever buy that small popcorn. Actually, my grandmother does, but that's a whole different story. But then you've got a medium popcorn, and that's an appropriate amount of popcorn for a human being to eat at the movies. And that costs $8.50, and that's a reasonable cost. Some who's reasonable and not clouded by emotion might actually be happy with that choice. But then you've got a massive gallon bucket of buttery, sweet popcorn, and it only costs 50 cents more. It's only $9. And so the human brain clouded by emotion says, wait, I get all that extra popcorn quarts and quarts and quarts more for only 50 cents above the medium. I'm going to get that one. And so for me, and I'm sure it's the same for you, Armand, every time I go to the movies, I'm getting the large popcorn because it's only 50 cents more. When in reality, it's way more popcorn than I really need. Bilal talks about thinking about how you structure your deal pricing and the options you present to a customer. What you can do is, if you're trying to increase your average deal size, always present a large popcorn with extra things that makes them say, wait, oh my gosh, I get all those extra modules and seats and features for only 50 cents more. It's a great way to level up your average deal size. All righty. And the exit criteria for Nick's
0: last tactic is the entry criteria for mine. And so that brings us to tactic number 10, which is from the one and only Adam O chart, also from Gong, is setting up exit criteria before you enter a POC. There are some reps out there, they're just the free trial reps, free trial for you, free trial for you. It's like Oprah, everyone gets a free trial in the audience. But here's the thing, what most people do is they fail to align on what a POC or a free trial is supposed to de-risk for your prospect. And so before you enter a POC, what you need to do is have an agreement around these are the three or four things you need to prove in a POC. And if there are things that cannot be proven in a POC, like customer service or onboarding timelines or other things, you need to suss those out now. And so once you have agreement on what the success criteria is, you can now have a time bound time to test for that success criteria. And then all you need to do is put an end date to the POC. And so in Adam Ochart's words, what he says is, I sell POCs, I Send contracts. So sell your POCs, send your contracts, and I'm sending you to the
1: next tip. Nick, what do we got as number 11 here? This is a great one from Joe Diliberto of Sandler. And what Joe talks about is when you're in a negotiation, sometimes customers, shocker, will ask you for things. Hey, can we get 60-day billing terms? Are you able to reduce the seat cost here? Can you throw in that module for free? And there are times that we need to have gives in our negotiation. You make what might be called concessions. But what you should never do is make a unilateral concession. Meaning if Armand asks me for, hey, can you throw in this module for free? What I can't do is say, yeah, you know what? We can include that. Because now Armand knows, oh, like there was no resistance there. I'm going to ask for more and more and more. And then you start getting sucked dry and you're bleeding like crazy in this negotiation. And you've got no leverage to say, hold up, we need to stop here. And so no matter what, When a customer asks you for something, even if it's a very easy give, what you shouldn't do is snap your fingers and give it. You need to ask for something back. Does that mean we can do a case study together? Does that mean we can align on a signing date? Does that mean we can have a longer contract? Ask for something back. Because if they won't give you something, you probably shouldn't be giving something. Now, that's not always 100% realistic. Sometimes we do just need to give. But what you should never do is give it easy. So if I'm ever just giving something away, you've got to make them understand how challenging that was for you. Hey, Armand, I know you, you needed that extra module to get this done before the end of the year. I went back and I had a really long conversation with my COO and my boss, and they actually weren't crazy about the idea at first. And I actually took them through a slideshow that I made about like the conversations we've been having this past quarter. And so they did agree to it, but I just like, I want you to know like, I really had to go to bat for you there. You're never giving away things easily. We are going to give away an easy gift at the end, but I think we've got one more tactic before that, Armand. The 12th day of tactics! Here we are. And what better way to get to the
0: end of the show than to talk about the guest that began the show in the first place. Joe Caprio from his round two episode. This is one that has fundamentally changed the way that I sell. Is the conventional enterprise sales big box. Old stodgy world says, you must not show software until you have ripped them with three hours of discovery. They also say, you may not give price until you get introduced to their boss. And all of these things create massive distaste in the buyer's eyes. And so here's the thing, what we're not suggesting is going in and only doing demos or getting on the call and saying it's $5,000 or $10,000. But if you have good discovery fundamentals, You can run your first call as a 20 minute discovery and show them a five minute Harbor tour demo, just enough to say, Hey, I'm telling you, I can solve your problems, but don't show them all the details. That's for the next call. So if the first call is the Harbor tour demo, the next call is the functional deep dive. And in that call, I'm now showing you how I'm actually going to solve your problems, but you can give people a taste at the end of your first call and use that to pull them into the next one. And then as you multi-thread, it's the same thing. 20 minute disco, five minute harbor tour, five minute next steps, Use that to pull your next set of multi-threaded folks into a longer demo. And that's how you run a truly modern day sales cycle. And Nick, we're at the end of it all, but guess what? I'm taking my Santa hat off. I'm giving it to Mr. Kringle over here. You have the Santa hat, bring us home. What is the last gift for everybody? And what do people need to do to help us out here?
1: Folks, St. Nick is here and I am feeling as jolly and generous as could be. Most of you put customers in sequences and you send emails to them all day, every day. And now it's time for a taste of your own medicine. If you would be interested in receiving the occasional email from Nick and Armand, yours truly here we've got a special opportunity for you. We officially have a 30 Minutes to President's Club newsletter. So if you're interested in seeing tactical breakdowns, episode summaries, and getting alerted to when we're going to be having 30 Minutes to President's Club live opportunities, it would warm our hearts just like eating an extremely hot candy cane, hot chocolate would, if you would go sign up for that. And while you're doing that, you might be interested to see that we've actually gone through a rebrand. And I'm going to give some credit to my good friend Armand here. Our original branding was literally something where we went on Upwork and we paid $7. The original quote was $10, but you know Armand, he's a master negotiator. And we brought the guy down and we brought him down even further. And It kind of showed, and we've actually gone through a a pretty substantive reband process. So go onto the website, and I think it looks pretty good. That's all I've got, Armand. Do you have anything you want to say to the audience as we wrap 2021? As a recap, you got 30 MPC
0: live, you got the Hall of Fame episodes every 10 episodes, and then you have the 30 MPC spam or sequences or whatever the heck we're going to call this thing. We're going to call it something cheeky, but we'll figure it out. But seriously folks, the biggest gift that we could ever have is the gift of all of you guys listening. We would not be able to do this without you all. So Merry Christmas to all, Happy Hanukkah to all, Merry Kwanzaa to all, Happy Holidays to all, and to all a good night. Rocket Reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes.